Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to another episode of Russell Life Radio. This is episode 84, and this week, I'm actually not flying solo for once. Matt is not here, however, uh, but it's just me and Micah this week. Say hello, Micah. Hello, Micah. That's right. You've got two dedicated hosts and one that flakes on you every other week. Yep. So uh, we're, we're here doing the dirty work uh, for Mr. Matt. Uh, what is he doing, by the way? I don't know. He's probably like painting dungeon. Then he has some work crap going on. Uh, psh, you know, excuses. Yeah. There's no excuses. This is your work. All right. Go subscribe to our Patreon, support the podcast. First off, Kyle, go make a Patreon. Okay. And then all these people can subscribe. We're doing it right now. Matthew can quit his job and we can do this full time. And uh, yeah. Or give us enough money and we'll just fire Matt and do it ourselves. It's true. Yeah. <laughs> Well, uh, let's get the show started. We're going to kick it off with a This Day in Wrestling History, February 25th. Uh, We're going to kick it back 20 years ago today. It was the day, was it the debut or was it the, uh, I think it was the debut of the WWF European Championship. We had the first title match between British Bulldog and Owen Hart, in which British Bulldog was the first ever champion. I'm pretty sure he lost it immediately to Shawn Michaels, like not far long after this or something like that. But uh, yeah, debut of the European Championship. Do you remember anything about that title, Micah? I don't. I I really don't. (laughs) Yeah, it was was definitely an Attitude Era title that uh, got passed around. It was basically like the U.S. title of today. Um, How many titles did they have at that time? Because they had the TV title at the same time, didn't they? Uh, WCW had the TV title, but they definitely, similar to today, I don't know if it's as many belts as they have today, but they were coming out with new belts like every other week because, hey, they were a hot product back then. So they were finding every excuse they could to put a title on somebody. You get a title and you get a title. Yeah. (laughs) Today it's a bunch of titles, but they're all on different shows. So Yeah, it's true. Yeah. Also, uh, 10 years ago today, and this is kind of interesting, and, uh, you know, goes into what we're going to talk about later in the show. But uh, 10 years ago on Monday Night Raw from Fresno, California, John Cena and Shawn Michaels defeated rated RKO to win oh. the World Tag Team Championships. I did not know they had tag titles together. Yeah, they sure did. And uh, apparently some dissension going on between Randy Orton and Edge. I wonder if that'll uh, lead to something in the future. Hint, hint. Uh, I'm sure it won't. <laughs> That's long-term booking. They don't believe in that. They sure don't. And also today happens to be Shinsuke Nakamura's birthday. Happy birthday, Shinsuke Nakamura. Oh, yeah. Happy birthday. Yesterday was Ric Flair's birthday, by the way. And uh, he's like 70-something, right? 71, I believe. Yeah, he's he's up there. He's still kicking. Yeah. Still any, styling any day and now, profiling. Any day now, he'll come out of retirement and fight another match in WWE. <laughs> I would not be surprised. It might be against uh, Saudi Arabia. Charlotte. Yeah, Saudi Arabia. He's coming for you. And uh, we had a great discussion the other day. Uh, if you didn't hear it, we had a roundtable about intergender matches. What better way to debut intergender wrestling in WWE than having Ric Flair versus Becky Lynch at WrestleMania this year? That's right. Main event. To be the man, you got to beat the man. And Ric Flair. <laughs> that is true. He wants that copyright. Oh, my gosh. So this this be, is perfect. I would I would pay for that pay-per-view. I'm sure a lot of people would. <laughs> <laughs> But uh, we're going to move right on into uh, the reviews this week. Uh, Micah, let's kick it off with some AEW Dynamite. Uh, 
Yeah, yeah pretty good show this week. Yeah, we've got what a lot of people claim is the best dynamite yet. Um, it, a lot of interesting stuff coming out. We had a uh, it was in Atlanta, which is a big town for for wrestling in general. A really big town for TNT in mm-hmm. wrestling. Uh, that's where Turner Broadcasting is obviously based out of. That's uh, Cody's hometown. So yeah, a lot of uh, history there in Atlanta. So they, they really tried to pack the card, it seemed like, this week. We, we opened up, and you had the uh, Tag Team Battle Royal. And uh, I hate Matthew can't be here, because I know he's a big fan of Battle Royals, and he could kind of uh, be contrarian to me. But I didn't love... Okay, I'm not going to say I didn't love this match. I didn't love the first half of this match. Because it was just, it was a little too hectic for me. I mean, you had 20 guys in the ring at the same time. Well, you had like Santana and Ortiz were outside of the ring, I think, for almost the entire match. And they came at the end. And uh, maybe one or two others outside of the ring. But for the most part, you had you had a lot of people in there. Right. Um, it was it was a little too much. Uh, going through the match, I was kind of confused. And, and so was my wife. We were watching because they just said Battle Royale. And usually for me, everybody starts in the ring. And I understand people starting in the ring and then sliding out. You know, it, that, that happens. Um, but it was just like uh, uh, Santana and Ortiz, they, didn't, they never even came in the ring until like 10, 10 minutes in. And obviously they had a big uh, advantage with that, which is, you know, good for a heel. <laughs> yeah. Um, <clears throat> it is a sizable advantage being fresh yeah. for 10 minutes. Yeah. And, and uh, you know, I, I didn't love that. I was kind of confused because I thought maybe, you know, maybe had 10 people in the ring and then, you know, say 10 minutes passes and then 10 more people come in. Cause they've had like the casino battle royales where they have like the groups come in. This is the first time I've seen them do a tag battle royale. I didn't know how it was going to work. Um, so that, that confused me a little bit. Um, they had a couple interesting uh, rules. Like if one member of the tag team was eliminated, the tag team was not eliminated until both were out. I really liked yes. that. That was a great idea. Yeah, that's definitely in WWE. They tend to do that a lot to where, of course, they've changed their rules a ton of times. I think they've done a couple where the teams aren't eliminated, but definitely in recent history, they've done once one member's gone, the whole team is gone. Uh, but yeah, here they did not do that. They decided to let you know every man stay in there if they want, you know, yeah. until they get eliminated, which I think is great. Yeah, I definitely think that's the way this should be done. Um, and it played into this match. I mean, it became the whole story of the match, really. Yeah, after after a couple people got eliminated, I really started enjoying the match more. I mean, you had Luchasaurus running a train on everybody, just just knocking people out, tail whipping them. Um, you had uh, Luchasaurus versus the Butcher there for a second, which I think would be a great match. Oh yeah, um, two big guys. You had some a couple really cool spots. You had a uh, uh, Trent uh, getting thrown over the ropes, but in New Day style, Orange Cassidy caught him. And walked him around on his shoulders and then took him over to the staircase and he's back in the match. He never touched two feet to the ground. That was great. Uh, always love Orange Cassidy. I've, I haven't seen a bad spot out of him yet. Yeah, uh, that's great. You had the Dark Order coming in and uh, basically distracting SCU for the elimination. That's pretty much all that was for. Um, they were the reason SCU got eliminated. Christopher Daniels wasn't there. I'm sure that'll push the story a little bit. Yep. Uh, you had, it, it basically came down to it. So Nick was eliminated by, uh, I, I don't remember. Nick was eliminated. Yeah. Pretty early on. Right. Yeah. I'd say like halfway through the match maybe. Yeah. So, yeah. uh, everybody's favorite obviously to win this was, was Matt and Nick because of the storyline between hangman and Kenny and the bucks, uh, leading towards revolution. Cause the winner of this match, I don't know if I mentioned, uh, gets a title shot at revolution. 
So everybody thought the Young Bucks would be winning this. So you had Nick eliminated, and you had Matt facing some, cons- some considerable odds. I mean, yeah, I think you had the Butcher still in there, Luchasaurus still in there, uh, Santana and Ortiz both still in there. Uh, you had a spot where Trent and Matt actually come together to eliminate the Butcher, which I thought was cool. They had a hug spot in there. Uh, that was that was really cool. <laughs> yeah, you had to get the people what they want, and yeah. uh, and that actually was what ended up eliminating Trent. So then you had Matt versus Santana and Ortiz, and for a moment there, I was like, man, they're really gonna push this Young Bucks thing a little bit with Kenny and and Hangman, and it looks like Santana and Ortiz are gonna get the win here. And uh, no, he actually single handedly defeated Santana and Ortiz. Uh, he got a what do they call it? His move where he grabs both of them. <sighs> Hold on. Okay, um, I can't remember it either. There's there's a name for it. Uh, 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 Talking about Matt, right? Yeah, he super kicked both of them, obviously. But he's got this move where he grabs them, and uh, I guess it's like a, a double suplex. I don't know. We'll call it a double suplex. I know that's probably not right. Um he grabs both of them. He hits them both with a suplex. That was great. He ends up uh, picking them off, and then the Young Bucks win. So you're going to have the Young Bucks versus Kenny and Hangman on Revolution. That is my uh, going to be my prediction for match of the night on, oh, yeah. on Revolution. It's going to be great. Uh, yeah, we'll talk also, about Also to note, you forgot to mention Sammy Guevara getting killed. Oh, he got murdered. Yeah, I'm surprised <laughs> Matt Jackson was able to leave. The match. Yeah, that was manslaughter. That was crazy. Yeah, and some people uh, obviously it's getting compared to the uh, Shawn Michaels Shelton Benjamin spot from uh, Monday Night Raw several years ago, where Shelton yeah. jumped off the top rope, leap, leapt across the ring, and got super kicked. I I'm going to say like it's getting compared, and some people are saying that Sammy's was better. It was definitely funnier because Sammy like jumped, got killed, and his sunglasses. He started with his sunglasses and yeah. finished without his sunglasses, and I don't he know folded up like a chair. Uh, but it's really hard to beat the Shawn Michaels, Shawn Benjamin one because it was just so perfectly timed. Yeah, from so, a realism standpoint, Shawn Michaels probably gets it, but from like a cartoony, silly standpoint, Sammy Guevara's cells are always a little bit outlandish, and yeah. I love him for it. I, I really enjoy it. Yeah, so, both are great for yeah. you know. So uh, yeah, I, I enjoyed this. Uh, enjoyed this match, especially the last bit of it. And like I said, the the story of the match was really. Nick Jackson got eliminated uh, about halfway through and Matt had to fight by himself, which lended to the whole rules of the battle Royal. And uh, like you were saying, it kind of almost creeped doubt kind of creeped in your mind that maybe Matt wasn't going to, or even you know, young bucks weren't going to pull this off and get the title match. But um, yeah, it played into the, the story. Great. That was fantastic. Yeah, really. Uh, it ended up. I ended up really enjoying it. Like I said, the the first half was a little hectic to, to me. Uh, I would kind of put it akin to like an eight man tag or something like that. Yeah, uh, where it's just a little too much for me. But uh, yeah, it it ended up being very enjoyable. So sweet. Uh, after that, we had Chris Statlander versus Shanna. This is a nothing match with nothing booking because the women's division does not matter to AEW at this point. It appears. Um, I'm not. Hey, even- but Britt Baker was there. Britt Baker was there on commentary. It was good. The best part of the match was Britt Baker giving Tony a latte, and his name was misspelled on the coffee cup because that's what Starbucks does. And also mm-hmm. his face was on the coffee cup. It was a customized uh, cup. <laughs> yeah, it, was, it was pretty cool. Um, 
But yeah, now on awshop.com, I'm sure. I'm, I'm sure it is. Because <laughs> uh, they actually have Young Bucks Starbucks coffee cups now. Um, yeah, the match was it was a good good match, but like I don't understand the booking for the women's division. They're trying to say it's important. It's obviously not because the matches have no story to them. They're just thrown together, and that's the way it's been for the entirety of AEW so far. And they did this week announce Statlander versus Nyla Rose for the uh, women's championship at uh, at Evo- or Revolution. So yeah, they they didn't announce it on Dynamite. They announced it on Facebook because the women's division. Yeah, I mean, I know Matt kind of you know had something to say about that, and you know he he thought it should be on or was that you that said it should be on Dynamite? Uh, he's the one that said it, but I agree with him. Yeah, I mean, I I kind of agree. It, it probably would have been better, uh, but I'm also like. I'm, I'm a UFC fan, so they tend to announce stuff like this without, you know, wh- whenever it gets signed. So it didn't bother me as much. I'm sure they will follow up with something on Dynamite, but we will see. Yeah, they were, you know, they they said when they were coming up that it's going to be more sport oriented, and uh, that's fine. But I mean, if it were announced for Chris Jericho versus John Moxley with no story lead up for the men's championship, it probably would have helped. But they would have. Announced that Statlander versus Shanna was for the number one contender title match, or because yeah. Shanna has you know beef with Nyla, so yeah, it they made perfect sense. Like after this match, they had an interview with Nyla, and uh, actually really liking champion Nyla. I think she's doing very well. Um, she's like acting like a bit of a prima donna, like wanting everybody to appreciate her and all this. Yeah. Uh, she struggles a little bit on the mic sometimes, but sometimes she really shines through. Um, I think. Yeah, and so Chris Statlander came out, and Big Swole also, and got up in her face. Why couldn't they had a, a match this week? Uh, Big Swole versus Chris Statlander for the number one contendership, and the yeah, match could have too. That would have been better, but I don't know. It's it's fine. I don't really want Chris Statlander to lose at Revolution, but I know she's probably going to because they're not going to have a champion for like one defense. I would yeah. think not. Not this early in the company. Uh, it would look really bad for Nyla Rose too. So we'll see how that goes. Uh, but yeah, let's let's not spend too much time on the women's division because it's not important to them. It should be important to us. <laughs> uh, next, we have John Moxley versus Jeff Cobb. Uh, this is the first time I've seen Jeff Cobb wrestle. I I really the big fella. He, he is. I mean, he's not like Wardlow. Like he's not Keith Lee big. He's like he's Taz. Guy. He's like Taz, like wide. Yeah, stout. He's like an actual amateur. Well, I guess he was an Olympic wrestler. So he's like a size down from Otis. Yeah, yeah, he's just a, a miniature Otis. Not as wide as Otis. But. <laughs> yeah, I actually told uh, Matthew when I first saw him debut, he's like Roman Reigns mixed with Taz to me. That's what he looks like to me. Yeah, I see that. Yeah, um, he's he's very talented. I really enjoyed uh, his prowess throughout the match. Um, it was very good match. The uh, the only I have a, a couple of nitpicks of the match. Obviously, they want Jeff Cobb to look strong because they're trying to debut him. Uh, he's not actually signed to AEW. They've offered him a contract. He yeah. hasn't signed it yet. He still wants to do some work with, I think, Ring of Honor and New Japan. So I guess he's kind of feeling out how he wants to to go about that. Which um, is fine. Yeah, that's that's fine. So he wanted to. They wanted to keep him, you know, powerful. But you also can't bury John Moxley the week before or two weeks before the pay per view when he's the number one contender. Right. So they were kind of in a tough place with this match. Um, they had Jeff Cobb basically owning John Moxley for most of it. Uh, he hit him with a tour of the islands, which is a fantastic finisher. Uh, it's like an F twenty. It's it's great. I really like it. <laughs> um, which I think actually Wardlow's finisher is called an F ten, by the way. 
because it's an upgraded F5. Uh, but yeah, so they had had him hit with a tour of the islands. They had Moxley down for the three count, and he just broke up the pin because he was being all pompous and cocky. And that ended up costing him the match. Uh, he tried to get Moxley off the top rope with a uh, superplex. Uh, he somehow reversed it into a roll-up. I've never seen that before. It actually looks really good. Um, and John Moxley got him with a surprise roll-up. So that was yeah. it. Uh, I know we give WWE a lot of crap for surprise roll-ups, but yeah, so I think we have to kind of be fair, but it actually looked pretty good. I mean, it wasn't just a BS ending. It actually, well, the, the thing is, AEW is really good about doing things like this sparingly. Not everybody's getting a roll-up like they are in WWE. So Yeah, I think on Raw we had like two surprise roll-ups this week to finish a match, yeah. and they only had like three matches. Yeah, so it's it's definitely, I think it leaves the door open for a rematch because obviously Jeff Cobb was in control of this match. Uh, you know, made Moxley look human for once because most people, I mean, even when like guys like Darby Allen go up against him, you know, Moxley just dominates. Uh, but here he was actually in trouble and he basically just got out because he out-techniqued Jeff Cobb. So it, it leaves the door open for a rematch. Cobb can come back and say, you know, you got lucky against me and kind of set something up. So I, I thought this was an appropriate roll-up finish. Yeah, yeah, I, I feel the same way. Uh, after the match, you had yet another uh, run-in from the inner circle attacking John Moxley. Eh, I'm kind of sick of that, but, you know, I get it. That's their thing. Yeah. But you had Dustin running out for his uh, – Coming out to his aid, obviously he's got some issues with the inner circle and Jake Hager running into Revolution, and then the lights go out and you have Darby Allen returning to a huge pop. Uh, people can say what they want about AEW not building stars, but they have built Darby Allen. He is a superstar. Yeah, uh, I actually saw him coming out. He had a Baker skateboard, which I, I don't know. Maybe he maybe got sponsored, which would be great for him because he's he has had some uh, like personalized skateboards in time past. I just noticed yeah. that maybe product placement. Um, which is fine, you know. Hey, get that money, you know. Uh, UFC fight guys wear, or I think Brock Lesnar still wears Jimmy John trunks. So you know, whatever. I mean, to be smart, uh, they're definitely, like you said, Darby Allen. They've they've done a great job of making him to, into a star. And I mean, every week you see little kids out there in the crowd wearing Darby yeah. Allen face paint. So I mean, he's he's over. So if I were yeah. a skateboard company, I'd jump on board for sure. Absolutely. No uh, yeah, he also had a uh, after the whole spat in the ring everybody runs away you know darby allen uh it comes to a commercial break and darby allen actually stole sammy guevara's sign gimmick again which i think is great <laughs> yeah. uh i love the sign gimmick for picture in picture and i love it even more when somebody's making fun of sammy guevara because his character is just perfect for that so yeah that was that was good uh a good match good segment uh after that we have in my opinion one of the best tag matches of in, in wrestling to me. I mean, I would say it's in, in AEW history. It definitely is uh, top two for me. Well, top three for me. Uh, we had Adam Page and Kenny Omega versus the Lucha Brothers. Uh, so I know that like Adam Page and Kenny Omega's reign as tag team champions is probably coming up to an end on Revolution. Uh, at very least, they're going to start breaking apart. But man, I, I would be okay with another three or four months of their reign because I love these matches. Every match they have is so good. Mm -hmm. um, I would say my, my top match from them was when they won the championship just because it surprised me so much. And uh, technically it was a great match and emotionally it was a great match, 
But this match, technically, it's probably their best match yet. Um, obviously, you had the Lucha Brothers, super talented. Anytime Ray Phoenix and Pentagon step into a ring, you're going to have like a five-star match. Uh, Ray Phoenix hit a crazy, like, he hit like the middle rope, stepped up at the top rope, and hit a hurricane rod at the outside on Kenny Omega. It was ridiculous. I've never seen anything like that. Uh, it tends to happen with Ray Phoenix. He he, yeah, he does things that no human should be able to do. Absolutely, and it's 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 and this and is quickly. TV. And this <laughs> is TV. Quickly. Like he's, it's not like one of those guys. That's like oh, I'll save this for the pay per view. This is a really cool movie. He's like, no, I'm gonna do this every match and every match. I'm gonna blow you away. I don't think he saves it for the pay per view. I think he just does it because it's natural and normal for him. Yeah, that's he's. <laughs> it's he's it's not. A, we see it and like, oh, you're gonna break this out on a you know, regular TV show, and he's like. What do you mean break this out? It's a normal move. It's like I did this getting my groceries today. What are you talking about? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, he's he's ridiculous. They're, I think they're, honestly, to me, these are the two best tag teams in AEW. Uh, you say what you will about the Young Bucks. I really like the Young Bucks. They're very over. I think these two teams are better. Uh, just me personally. Yeah. You, know, you can disagree with me. Uh, after So you have the match. Uh, you, a couple of things during the match. You had the same spot that cost Kenny and Hangman the match last time when they faced uh, the Lucha Brothers, where uh, Hangman goes to hit the discus lariat on, I think it was Ray, and he moves and he hit it on Kenny, and I really thought they were about to lose this match. Um, you had, they had them so separated at different portions through the match, and you thought, surely, I think uh, Pentagon even ended up hitting the Penta driver on Kenny. I haven't seen anybody kick out of that yet. And Hangman is dead outside the ring. I mean, it's like if you're playing SmackDown versus Raw and you're both on full red and you're just trying to hit the hit the tap out, but you just know it's not possible. You've lost the match. That's what I thought here. I was like, okay, this is over. I can't believe it. They're about to lose. And Kenny kicked out. And I was like, oh my God. Well, they've got to win now, right? Mm-hmm. So uh, they, they ended up getting their groove back together. Kenny just went crazy on everybody. Uh, Hangman gets back in the ring. They ended up doing their V trigger uh, buckshot lariat combo. They got the win, and uh, it was great, fantastic match. Afterwards, the Young Bucks came to the ring and uh, tried to congratulate uh, Hangman and Kenny. And there was actually a physical bit of an altercation because uh, the Bucks come and, and help Kenny up. And there's literally the Bucks pulling on Kenny one way and Hangman pulling on Kenny the other way. And uh, Kenny was like, what are, you, what are you guys doing? Stop. You're being stupid. And he got all puffy about it. Hangman goes outside the ring, starts drinking, as he does. And yeah, it was great. I cannot wait for the match on Revolution. And uh, I hope that Kenny and Hangman come out with the win, because I want to see them as tag champs for a little while longer. So interesting you should say that. I think it's totally possible, because everybody sees Omega... And uh, Hangman Page breaking up. They see something <clears throat> happening, costing them the tag titles or something. And then that's when they start their feud. But when I saw them have the tug of war with the Young Bucks pulling on Omega, Page pulling on Omega, I kind of thought, wouldn't it be interesting if they almost swerved people and didn't, at least for now, give them the breakup? And they had Omega break away from the elite. And he started drinking beer with Paige. He started going crazy. That would be and they crazy. stayed a team for a long time. That would be so interesting. I, I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if AEW did something like that. They 
they tend to do things on purpose and they've definitely been teasing the breakup, but it's also very expected from the fans. So uh, I don't know. I think that'd be pretty cool if they did something like that. Yeah, they had a really long BTE this week, and because uh, obviously they're at the Toy Fair and all that, there was like a four-minute segment between Hangman and Kenny that totally should have been at least on Dark, where uh, Hangman comes in and apologizes to Kenny, and they talk about the tug-of-war and everything, and uh, Hangman's like, oh, man, I'm sorry, I've been such a jerk, I'm sorry I've been a jerk to the Bucks, and Kenny's like, He must yeah, have been man. sober. No, he was drinking. He was drinking. <laughs> uh, he, he was actually like, you know how some people get drunk and they get like cry. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. He was he was in that mood, and yeah. uh, and he was about uh, five or six beers in. Yeah, yeah, and uh, he's probably a pitcher or two, and 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 he, Kenny was like, "Yeah, man, you have been a jerk. Stop it. You know, stop being an idiot. You're acting like a child." And I was like, "Man, a little, little tough love from Kenny," and uh, it, they ended up on a on a on a good spot, but uh, I think, I, I man, I wouldn't be surprised for them to swerve us. I don't know. If, I don't know if they'll swerve us with Kenny turning. I wouldn't honestly. I would not be surprised with them see them swerving for the Bucks to turn heel, because I don't see him turning Hangman heel right now. He is so over. Yeah, I mean that's what a lot of people thought. But uh, and I'm. It's funny enough you should say that. I do have a brass ring to give out. This All right, week. go ahead. I'm actually going to give it to Hangman Page. Uh, Omega, it, you know, he deserves it just as much. But the reason I'm giving it to Hangman specifically. Is because he's been so great lately. He he is taking this. It's not even that different of a gimmick. He's just kind of coming to his own. And I mean, since the start of AEW, I was big on Hangman Page, and he did get the first title match against Jericho. We all knew that he probably wasn't going to win that, but I don't know. Like when that kind of happened, I don't think he took a step down, but he he just hadn't quite hit his stride yet. Uh, he obviously lost that match against Jericho. Lost the match against MJF. He really just, he was there, but he needed something. And man, he got it in this gimmick. He's so over. He's, you know, doing cowboy stuff. He's just been great lately. He's put on great matches. And I agree with you. I don't really want to see him and Omega break up right now. Maybe that's why I'm creating these fantasy booking scenarios. Because I don't want him to break up. I think they're great together. So, Hangman Page. And you know what? Screw it. I'll give it to Kenny Omega as well. They're getting the brass rings this week. They're both awesome. Yeah, just give them to them as a tag team. Yeah. Yeah, they definitely cause any more dissension by only giving it to Hangman. So I'll give them both the ring. Yeah, that's right. You don't want Hangman to get jealous or anything, or Kennedy no. to get jealous, I guess, in this this scenario. Uh yeah, they're 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 great. I love them. They're, they're I, I, like, I remember the first time I saw Hangman was on the uh, road to all out, I think. Oh yeah. And uh, he had the little promo where Jericho had busted his eye and everything. I was like, okay, this guy's kind of cool, but he's just a guy, you know? Yeah. He's a full-fledged character now. Like, he, he talk about character development. AEW has developed characters. And uh, he's probably the class A example on how to do that in a wrestler. Yeah. And he's always kind of been that way where he's, you know, been on the cusp of being, you know, something good. But he just needed to find himself. And I think he's he's done that. Yeah. He's definitely got some charisma going now. That's for sure. Yeah. And then we we lead into the main event of the evening, the one they've been uh, building to for for quite a while now. That's Cody versus Wardlow in AEW's first ever steel cage match in Atlanta, Georgia. In Atlanta, Georgia, and I I first of all I love this cage. Um, did you actually did you have you seen the cage? Oh yeah, it's giant. It's huge, super tall. But not only that, I love that it's the perfect size for the ring. 
a lot of times in WWE now you have a cage just a little bit bigger, so you have some walking room out there. But this is like old school. I mean, it was gray. It wasn't red. It wasn't blue. It was just a gray chain link cage the size of the ring, and it was just an old school cage match. I loved it. I loved the, uh, what do they call it, rafters, I guess, on the sides. Yep. I loved when they were lowering it down and the fog lights and the strobes. It was so great. It was very old school to me. And it's it's very I, similar to Hell in a Cell, but without the roof. It's got like the yeah. the big corners that you could actually climb up. It's not just like a fence pole. Like yeah, it, yeah. it had a really good structure. It's not to just it. a chain link fence. It's actually got some structure to it. Yeah, yeah, but uh, yeah, very very tall cage. Uh, and and uh, we should point out, no, they they got rid of the no or the escape rule, so no easy escape here, which. You can't get out through the door or anything Which, like that. When they implemented that a long time ago, I think there was a purpose for it, but they've, they've kind of carried it on, but it really makes no sense. Uh, a cage match is meant to contain two people and not let others in so they could settle their differences in a bloody feud. And uh, having, having the goal to just walk out of the cage kind of uh, defeats the purpose of that. So yeah. <laughs> it's a really kinda, good move to uh, like, take that out. Kind of like Hell in a Cell, except you can't get DQ'd in this. Right. You can't nearly kill a man and have the match stopped. Yeah, yeah. Match stoppage. Sorry, not there were no mallets. There were no mallets, giant mallets here, or sledgehammers. Yeah, it was it was a really good cage match. Uh, I have one nitpick with it. I think it was short. Um, I think the match was like eleven minutes. Uh, I don't remember if it had a commercial break in the middle or not. I watch on Fight TV, so I don't see the commercial breaks. If it did, it definitely was short. Um, I think it could have stand stood like at least six, seven more minutes for a cage match. Um, but it was a very good match, so I can't take too much from it for for that. Um, right. Wardlow looked strong through the entire thing. Yeah, how how about a good debut match for Wardlow? Yeah, I mean he looked just indestructible through almost the entire match. Like Cody was dying in there. Um, he, I told my wife we're going to the match. I was like, well, Cody's gonna bleed, so just go ahead and. Prepare yourself for that. This is Dusty's son. When he's in the main event, he bleeds. That's what he does. So we, we're going through, and uh, he he throw uh, Wardlow throws Cody on the fence. I was like, all right, watch him in the corner over there because like MJF is like distracting the ref or whatever, or distracting the camera, I guess. Cody's over there in the corner. The ref's over there with him. I was like, yep, he's gonna blade. Watch him. And oh my gosh, he looked like he hit an artery. I guess he does every time. He always bleeds crazy. <laughs> he's got that blonde hair that just pops the blood when it's in there. Oh yeah. Uh, so he's covered in blood the entire match. Like Wardlow's like hitting him with superplexes and all that, and Wardlow's covered in blood. And uh, it just looks like there's no hope. And I'm like, well, he can't lose this, right? Cody's got to win this. This entire, I will say this entire card for this show was very predictable for me. Um, they, they did a good job of swerving me at certain moments, like with the Hangman and uh, Kenny match and the, the Battle Royale. But still going into it, if I would have bet on this card, I would have been 100% right. Right. But, you know, it's just good booking. So, yeah, that's the thing. WWE, they get in their own way a lot of times because they try to overbook things. They try to swerve you. They try to make things not obvious when it's obvious isn't necessarily bad. Like sometimes it's okay when you're watching a TV show to know what's coming. But that's part of it. Like you you know it's coming, but you build the anticipation for it. Uh, AEW does a good job of doing that. To where, yeah, I mean, this show is pretty predictable, but uh, like, I mean, just in the results, like you said, the Battle Royal, it was, you know, 
kind of give you gave you a little bit of doubt. There's, you know, with a Ray Phoenix and uh, Pentagon nearly picking up the you know the win over Omega and uh, Hangman Page. Like they they do a good job of even if it is predictable, they they put on a good show for you. Yeah, and like I don't know. Say so, so you're watching UFC fight. If you are watching. I don't know. I'm pick two people I know. Brock Lesnar versus CM Punk. All right, Brock Lesnar's going to win. If you're going for Brock Lesnar and he wins, that's good. You're not disappointed by that. I wanted Cody to win. And, spoiler alert, Cody won. So that's great. I was, I was excited about that. Uh, you had... So, obviously, Cody can't get an upper hand throughout the match. Now I'm just imagine uh, Brock Lesnar versus CM Punk in an MMA fight. <laughs> CM Punk would die. Good uh, <laughs> so, we've got... MJF tried to intervene, uh, like climbing up the cage or something. And uh, it was nice to see something from Brandy that was actually great. She hit MJF with a chair. And uh, yeah, good way to get uh, Brandy some some face love from the crowd. Did she, she cut his hair at all? Did she what? <laughs> did she cut MJF's hair? No, she did not. She did okay. not. She, she's, she's abandoned that gimmick, hopefully, okay. for good. <laughs> and uh, yeah, so she, she helped uh, Cody out. And then uh, you had a spot where Cody uh, gets thrown into the door and the door busts open. And I'm like, oh, God, we're going to we're gonna do this. He's going to get thrown out of the ring or something with MJF. This is going to be stupid. And uh, no, so we had Arn Anderson coming over. And uh, MJF is, is uh, yapping at him. And he's saying, all right, do to him just like you did his dad. Break his arm or whatever. And Arn Anderson kind of teases looking at Cody, looking at the door. And he slams MJF in the face of the door. And then shuts the door back, and the match goes on. And that was great. Um, they teased it just like they did with MJF whenever, I think he had like a chair on one of the earlier Dynamites and teasing hitting Cody. But no, he, he swerved you, and he hit MJF. Because I think a lot of people were anticipating Arn Anderson turning on Cody. I don't think he needs to. I think that would be kind of predictable and kind of dumb at this point. Yeah. Uh, hey, there's not much of a benefit for it right now. Yeah, I don't, I don't see any reason to do that. Uh, but yeah, so Cody comes back into the match. Uh, man, I don't know if it was before or after this, but I got to say Wardlow hit a senton on Cody and Wardlow's like six, three, two ninety. I don't know. He's a big dude. And he had a senton bomb looking like Jeff Hardy out there. Well, not quite like Jeff Hardy, but it was crazy for a big guy like that to hit something like that. And, uh, if this were a real fight, Cody would be dead. Uh, definitely. So that was great. Um, Cody ends up getting the upper hand. I think he hits Wardlow with a crossroads and he starts looking into the top of the cage. And I had actually told Matt and Kyle, I was like, all right, so he's not going to go from the top of the cage spot with two weeks till revolution, right? He's not going to risk ruining the match at revolution by injuring himself on this TV match in, in Atlanta. But no, he straight up climbed up that cage and he just moonsaulted off. He didn't look behind him. He didn't make sure Wardlow was in the spot. He just climbed up and jumped off. I think he started climbing to the top, and he probably thought he was near the top, and then he looked down and was like, oh, God, this thing's, this thing's <laughs> tall. And he got to the top, and he's like, I'm not even going to think about it, Wardlow. I hope you're there. And he yeah. just went for it. And Wardlow did a fantastic job of catching him. He didn't do the Jeff Hardy, catch your balance, say your prayers, and then go. Like He just went, and he did it. He just jumped, and – uh yeah, Warlord did a great job of keeping him safe. He actually did break his toe on the landing. I don't know if you saw that. Ouch. Um, yeah, he broke his toe. He posted pictures on Instagram. It was gross. I didn't want to see that. His toenail fell off. It's nasty. Uh, he was cleared to wrestle, though. 
but uh, it's it's going to impede him a little bit on Revolution. So maybe it will. <laughs> Could you imagine MJF and Cody getting called off because he broke his toe? Yeah, for real. I mean, <laughs> that's what I was saying. Like, I can't believe he risked it, but it was a great spot. It made the match for me. If he wouldn't have done that, I probably wouldn't like the match. To be honest with you, um, of all things to keep you out of a match like that. A broken toe. Yeah, he probably thought I'm going to do a moonsault off the top of a cage in Atlanta, Georgia, and land on another man. The last part he would have picked that would be broken <laughs> is probably his toe. Yeah, I don't know if you ever saw in WWE he did a moonsault off the top of the cage on Road Dog, and he almost died. I think he like broke a rib. Uh, Road Dog did not catch him at all. He went straight onto the mat. Yep. And uh, he <laughs> yeah. said he said in an interview that was like the worst pain he's ever felt during a match. I bet. But uh, yeah, so Cody comes up with the win. Uh, oh, one more thing during the match I missed. Uh, he actually, uh, MJF had handed Wardlow, I think tried to hand Wardlow the ring to use against Cody. And Wardlow, st- or, uh, I'm sorry, Cody stole the ring and used it against Wardlow. Um, so I guess going into MJF and Cody, Cody may have the ring still. So that would be interesting to see come mm. into play. I know I'd heard some people speculating that, you know, maybe... MJF would try to use the ring against Cody in their match, and Cody would gain possession. But I mean, hey, he comes in with it already. Yeah, he's got got the gauntlet. He's got the Infinity Gauntlet. If uh, if people are gonna say that uh, you know they don't want to bury MJF too much, even though Cody's a babyface, if he used the ring against him, that would be fine. I'd be be cool with that. It's many people he's using on. And honestly, I was waiting for the leather belt to come off or the the weight belt to come off on this match. It was no DQ. Uh, but I think they may be saving that for the Cody MJF fight because they've they've got to bring the weight belt and the the ten lashes into it. I would uh, I would bet money that there's going to be some lashes in that that uh, match. They, yeah, I'm not sure how that. they're going to bring it into play. I guess it's AEW; they don't disqualify people. So, I mean, he could shoot MJF and probably still get the three count. So, oh yeah, you know. It, it, anyways, uh, really like this match or this this entire card. Uh, it definitely was a pay per view style show. Uh, I still had my issues with it. I, I had some nitpicks with it, so I'm not going to give it an A plus like I did last week. I'm not saying last week was a better show overall. Like I enjoyed last week more, but I think last week was a perfect example of a show. I had no negatives, so this week's show gets an A from me. So send in your hate mail. That's Wrestle Life Matt on Twitter, <laughs> uh, Kyle on uh, on Instagram. Hey, so I didn't give it a bad grade, <laughs> but yeah, no, yeah, yeah, I really enjoy it. Yeah, I, I don't agree. Like you said, a lot of people were saying this was the best show, and I don't necessarily think it was the best show, but it was a great show. It was a good show. And, uh, you know, compared to NXT, which wasn't a great show, wasn't a horrible show, but, hey, AEW's been really consistent in these Wednesday Night Wars, so uh, and they continue to win the ratings war. So, they yeah, AEW, get- another great show. We'll see how they fare next week with the uh- – I want to say off show, but it's a little bit of a, a weaker show versus Charlotte and Bianca Belair. Well, interesting to see how that goes. Well, yeah. Well, yeah, that's uh, we'll, we'll just re- move right into a Friday night uh, SmackDown this week. Um, do we have to? <laughs> we do. We do. Uh, I th- there's definitely some not good things on this show, uh, but there were some notable things. So we'll, we'll just kind of go through that. We basically started the show. With the, uh, the Usos coming out, making their way to the ring, they cut a promo. Uh, they just, you know, talked about how, how th- you know, how great they were. They, they dropped Super Kick Party, which 
I'm surprised Young Bucks didn't have like a copyright on that. Or yeah, they're going to get claimed on that. Yeah, they might send them a cease and desist. Who knows? But uh, they uh, they bring out New Day. New Day joins them in the ring, and they all kind of talk to each other, and they're all hyping each other up. But then Biggie gets real serious. He calls well. At first, he calls the Usos one of the greatest tag teams of all time. Calls them for sure Hall of Famers. But uh, Biggie is sure to point out that uh, they have one less title reign than them, which makes the New Day better, and they have a stare down. So. They uh they kind of tease, you know, something might happen in the future between these two teams. But Miz and Morrison interrupt them, and they come out and they say the reason they haven't gotten over and why the fans keep booing them is because they don't have a catchphrase of their own. So they make one up. Uh, I forget how it went. It was it, something. It, it was oh something God. like the like Miz and Morrison. Hey hey ho ho something like that. Yeah, my wife yeah. keeps kept doing it over and over again to bother me. Yeah, so. Yeah, I don't think this chance going to get over, but we'll see. You never know. I, I bet they're ch- if they're in a WrestleMania match, I'm sure it'll get chanted there. But uh, basically, Miz and Morrison promised to win the tag team uh, titles at Super Showdown, and they introduced their partners, who they did say one of them had a great Valentine's Day. Their partners were Dolph Ziggler and Bobbert Roode. So they all come out for an uh, eight-man tag. Uh, it was funny because the heels were standing on the outside, and they talked about uh, – um, I think it was the Usos invited them to come fight and they, the heels all huddled up and they broke the, the huddle and you could hear John Morrison going, Oh man, I always wanted to do a, sh- a shield or something like that. Like it was hilarious. He, he's been great. Uh, he's jacked. I'm a big fan of John Morrison back. I can't wait for him to turn on the Miz and kill him so he could go do his own thing. I don't know how he's passing the wellness policy at his age to look like he does. Uh, yeah. Especially since Samoa Joe just got violated for it. Uh, today, which I don't know if you heard about really? that. I did not yep, hear about you that. sure did. How does so. Samoa Joe, it's got to be something <laughs> to do to heal him, right? It can't be for, for like muscle gain. It's got to be something to help him heal because golly, like the guy just got injured on a commercial shoot. He must have eaten a burger with some with uh, some stuff in the, the. Yeah, what is it? Sesame seeds that can cause you to pop on a drug test? Is that what it is? <laughs> yeah, really, it could be, could be some, some steroids in the cow. You never know. Yeah. Or oh Smojo, he's, he's just trying to get jacked. I don't know. But uh, he's, that'll get him a championship. Yeah. <laughs> that would look so weird, man. A jacked he's trying to sturdy up his bones and you know all these injuries he's been having, I guess. But uh, essentially, this is a pretty good tag match. A good, good way it opens. It was another one of these tag matches that basically took up a quarter of the show. Because uh, when in the match came on, I paused the show for the minute. And... Uh, it had like it was at twenty nine minutes, something like that. And I was like, "Oh wow, it's already this far into the show." But it was an entertaining match. Um, basically, uh, we got down to the wire, and uh, Jimmy rocks Miz and Morrison with some super kicks. There were a lot of super kicks going on. Uh, Rude did hit a glorious DDT. Uh, he attempted to hit uh, the DDT on Jay, but he fought out of it. Hit a super kick. He actually won with the super kick. So I, I don't know if. Bobby Rudy, I don't think he's won a match since he's uh, come back from his suspension, but yeah, he's got pinned with a super kick here. So, but uh, the winners are the New Day and the Usos. Uh, we obviously have Miz and Morrison versus New Day at Super Showdown. So, I mean, I'm assuming the New Day is going to win. Maybe they're teasing something with the Usos at WrestleMania. Who knows? But pretty good match to open the show. Uh, then in the back, we had Drew Gulak approaching Daniel Bryan talking about how he watched his match with Heath Slater, and he made a PowerPoint presentation to point out all the holes in his game. 
Brian seemed amused for a minute. And then Heath Slater was just standing in the background with his back turned. He heard his name. So he comes in there and starts, you know, curious, wondering why, uh, you know, his name got brought up. He, he talked about how Daniel Bryan's beating made his kids cry and that, you know, he, he didn't want to take that beating again. And Brian uh, basically told Gulak that he needed to help Slater out. And uh, Slater got all mad and, you know, they basically challenged him again for a fight, said he's ready at any time, which obviously contradicts what he said earlier. But so that set up a match between Brian and Slater later in the match. I, funny segment, though. I, I liked it. Uh, I don't know if they're going to do like a Gulak and Brian match at some point. I don't know. We'll see. But uh, it was a good segment. Yeah. Am I the only one that really likes Heath Slater? No, I like I like all of them. Um, he's a jobber, but I like him a lot. And I mean, I thought it was a great segment. Yeah, like I don't know, maybe it's his southern thing, and I'm from Alabama. Maybe that's what it is. But I really like Heath Slater. Um, yeah, I thought he was really funny. He was this honestly, this little tidbit right here was probably one of my favorite spots of the night. I guess. I mean, yeah, it's not man. much competition, but. And I like the uh, fun-loving Daniel Bryan, who's out here killing geeks. So, yeah, works for me. Uh, we also got a recap of the Otis and Mandy uh, failed date from last week, obviously. And then after the uh, the the recap of that, we have Mandy and Sonya talking in the back when Tucker approaches him. Talks about how he's angry that Mandy broke his heart. He pointed out that uh, Otis combed his hair, got new underwear for the date. He said that Otis is, Otis is devastated, won't even leave his hotel room. And Deville uh, Tucker said, Deville told Tucker it wasn't the right time. Rose pointed out that uh, she she only was talking to Ziggler because Otis hadn't showed up yet. And then Tucker said, well, you texted him and said you were running late. And Mandy seemed a little confused. And she's like, text. And so she was acting a little confused. Tucker pointed at her face and basically said she had she was a horrible person. He leaves. Fans break out in an Otis chant. And Rose just kind of looks confused. She's like, what text? I don't know what you're talking about. And DeVille told her not to worry about it. And Ziggler's probably more her type of guy anyway. So seems like maybe men or uh, Sonya had something to do with this. Yeah. Last week I was definitely, because uh, I think I'm going by a lot of people's heads that Mandy wasn't actually the one that said the text. I mean, it wasn't actually laid out last week that that's what happened, but that's what I took it as. Um, Because I think they've been kind of trying to play with you on whether or not you think Mandy's actually a heel throughout this interaction. I mean, yeah, she's a heel outside of this Otis uh, romance, I guess you'd say. But through this entire uh, storyline, she's been a real face towards Otis, you know. Um, So for her to lie to him or say she's going to be late or whatever, or a lot of people just thought Otis was like two hours late and she said she was going to be an hour late. Yeah, I mean, me and Matt were sitting here yelling at him for being an hour late on a date with Mandy Rose. And I think, you know, he got a text. I don't think they did a great job of writing it. He got a text saying, hey, I'm going to be an hour late. So he arrived on time that hour later. And obviously, Dolph Ziggler just so happened to be there. So I previously, last week, I thought it was just Dolph. But after seeing Sonya's reaction, I think they're going to be causing a split between uh, Fire and Desire and... uh, making a little wedge between Mandy and Sonya whenever this all comes, comes to fruition. And we finally get Otis and Mandy together. Yeah. And Mandy, uh, I'm sorry, Sonya, she's, she's actually been lobbying for a lesbian storyline. Cause obviously she's a lesbian and, uh, she's been wanting to do something like this just to feature like a, obviously a not 
horrible lesbian act, which WWE has done in the past, but something that's, you know, respectable. I mean, uh, we just had Liv Morgan and Lana. So I mean, well, what, what more do you want? Well, Sonya was actually furious when she saw that because she's been pulling for this for a long time and they had teased it earlier on in the fire desire tag team. And then they just never pulled the trigger on it. Uh, and they just kept them as a team. And then she saw Lana and, uh, uh, Liv have their little spat and she was like furious. She's like, Hey guys, what's, what's up. And now it seems like they might be listening to her. Cause it seems like she could be involved. Maybe she's got a thing for Mandy. And so she's trying to secretly pull the strings. Maybe she texted Dolph and said, come to the restaurant. I mean, what was he doing there? So I, I really like this segment. I thought it put a really nice nugget into this storyline. I've said for weeks, it's been the best thing on the show. Uh, this was a very small segment on the show, but I thought it was fantastic. I think it's a good part of the story, and it it alone has me looking forward to SmackDown next week. So after this, we, this this does not get me looking forward to SmackDown. Uh, we have an interview, Renee Young talking to Lacey Evans, and basically she just spent the interview going in and out of character. She was like a Southern Belle one minute, and then she was talking to like saying them nasties and stuff like that, talking about Bailey and Sasha, and then she'd go back to calling him a bully and she did admit here though that she had been a bully in the past so at least she's acknowledging that she just had a change of heart out of nowhere but so they they try to justify it like you know two three months after she you know made this turn all of a sudden but better late than never i guess uh i didn't really enjoy this uh it was whatever and i don't know if you've ever seen it I don't know if it's real or not, but I've seen a video of Lacey Evans bossing her daughter around doing to do stuff like a Marine mom you would expect to be. And the only thing I could think was, God, I would hate for this woman to be my mother. <laughs> she yeah, just I, I agree. barking orders to her little, her little daughter, making her do chores and stuff. And I was just like, Call this her does not seem like a, it does not seem like a fun household. Uh, but yeah, this interview is not that great. Didn't do Lacey any favors, but she said she's going to fight her way into the elimination chamber somehow or hinted at it. Uh, so I don't know. We'll see. But I, I, I guess teasing something maybe between her and Bailey for WrestleMania. Uh, God, I hope not. Yeah. Me, me neither. I'm fine with the match they had the last show. Just leave it at that. So uh, next we had out of nowhere, a symphony of destruction match between Braun Strowman and Elias versus Shinsuke Nakamura and Cesaro, obviously accompanied by Sami Zayn. Basically this match is, a no disqualification match with musical instruments around the ring as weapons. Uh, they basically recapped Sammy's protest last week. Sammy came out uh, with his ukulele again, and then Elias came out and interrupted with a song of his own. <laughs> then Strowman comes out with a giant stand-up bass. Like it's just crazy. And this was a pretty entertaining match, but man, like it didn't really have much going for it that yeah these guys are feuding but like what does this match even mean and not only that these guys nearly killed themselves doing this match like by the end of it Shinsuke Nakamura had to get staples put in his head because uh there was a basically the match it was just them using guitars and all these musical instruments as weapons on the outside and just beating the crap out of each other for no reason uh Nakamura went for a kinshasa on the floor at one point and Elias moved out of the way and Nakamura crashed into a gong that was set up on the outside. Elias put Cesaro on a table and climbed to the top rope. And uh, Nakamura was able to stop him, but Strowman tossed Nakamura on the announce table. And that basically set up the finish to where 
Elias got up on the top rope, hit a giant flying elbow from the top rope out on the outside, threw the table onto Cesaro, and then Strowman got Nakamura on the announce table and hit a power slam on the piano. And I think it was supposed to break, but it didn't. So they basically just splatted on top of this grand piano. It split in half. It was Not- such a fake grand piano, too, because like when he split him, it like bounced up. And I don't know if you've ever been near a grand piano, but they don't bounce. They're they, so heavy. <laughs> if you've ever been near one, you know, because the gravitational pull of these pianos bring you in. They're very heavy. Uh, but yeah, and they tried to say I, I believe what it looked like to me was a, a uh, grand piano construction thing that they made, and they just placed a keyboard on top of it. Yeah, it, that's exactly what it looked like. It looked like a cardboard cutout of a grand piano with a keyboard on the keys. And then commentary is like, oh my god, he broke that piano in half. It's like, man, no. Well, they said that, and then I think it was, it might have been Corey Graves said, like, this is a great endorsement for the piano because it didn't break. But uh, it basically split in half. Nakamura had to get medical attention on the outside. Obviously, Strowman and Elias pick up the win from this, but God, these guys killed each other for a match that, like, I don't think it had any ramifications. Like, it was just a, it might as well have been like, what was that match they had a couple years or like a couple months ago for Christmas with, uh, uh, the revival or something. It was just like a prop Christmas match. It basically should have been one of those, but they ended up like killing each other for this match. It was just, just strange. I don't know. It, it was fun, but God, these guys like put themselves through hell for it and probably wasn't worth it. It wasn't that great. Uh, basically after this, they kind of recap the uh, King Corbin Roman Reigns feud, which has been going on forever. We got a King Corbin interview in the back. Just noted that Reigns never beat him in a one-on-one match. Whatever. So that said he always had his cousins behind him. And that he was going to replace Reigns as the poster boy for WWE. Sure. <laughs> we'll see if that actually happens. Uh, then we had a moment of bliss with the Bella Twins. Obviously, they're getting announced for the WWE Hall of Fame. And uh, that's pretty much what this was. They came out and talked to Alexa. You know, put over their career. Pointed out how they're both pregnant, obviously. Uh, talked about Nikki's engagement. Um, it's a good episode for John Cena to not be back on. <laughs> they're talking about, you know, Nikki's engagement and her pregnancy with this new guy. But uh, they also pointed out Alexa that she's the first female talk show host in WCW, or WWE history. So, uh, yeah, just basically put each other over. Plug their uh, Hall of Fame induction this year. Um and then when Daniel Bryan's music came out, he ran out doing the yes chant with his daughter in his arm. He hugged Bree and he gave his daughter to Bree and Bryan made his way down the ring. Probably the best entrance Daniel Bryan's ever had with this little girl. She's so cute. Uh, basically, then we have Daniel Bryan killing Heath Slater. Drew Gulak came out f- for commentary. was pointing out all the holes in his game, which were actually pretty, you know, substantial. Daniel Bryan, you know, doing the yes chant while Heath Slater was you know getting to his feet. Gulak was able to point out that he was showboating. And indeed, Brian got a little overzealous, went for the running knee, and Heath Slater rolled him up, but he only got a two count. And then he immediately stood up and hit a running knee and hit him, uh, got him with a pin. So uh, even though Brian has holes in his game, it's not enough for Heath Slater to get through and Daniel Bryan wins here. So we'll see what happens with uh, him and Gulak. I kind of like it though. Like you said, the Heath Slater was good. Drew Gulak was good. Daniel Bryan's always good. So... I'm looking forward to this. I, I think they could have a cool program if they do it. Uh, I yeah. don't think it's a WrestleMania program, but 
Yeah, I have been liking this little little thing they're doing here. Yeah, so uh, I hope they do some next week, but we'll see. Uh, and then in a, we had the good Mandy Rose Otis segment of the show already, but they felt the need to put this in, and I don't know why. In the back, we have Mandy Rose about to leave when Dolph Ziggler approached her, asked her what she was doing. She said she's waiting on a ride, but then Ziggler offers her a ride instead. She says, sure, okay, and they leave together. And then all of a sudden, Otis emerges from behind this crate. He's just standing back there for some reason. And his hair is all in front of his face. He's all emo, you know, like all up in his feelings. He's just sad. But it did nothing for the story. Uh, We kind of got the story, the next piece of the story already. So pointless. But I guess they wanted Otis on the show. Yeah, I think they could have uh, done the ASPCA commercial music on this scene. It made a little bit more impact. <laughs> Probably. so, Or the uh, Sarah McLaughlin song or something when Otis emerged all sad. In the arms of the Otis. You got to keep going. Go through the verses. <laughs> <laughs> I like that remix. I don't know about you. Yeah, that's good. We should make that. <laughs> Uh, anyway, so then we had, uh, I'm really tempted to give these two idiots the future endeavor again. My God. So basically we have Seamus cutting a promo, talking about how he squashed Shorty G and Apollo Crews, talking about, you know, they were little rodents. And then in the locker room, Shorty G and Apollo Crews are talking. Shorty G says that bullying is becoming a, a significant problem. And I was like, dude, you guys are the ones that jumped him from behind last week. You're the ones that are bullying him. Like he beats you. Just leave him alone. So, and then not only that shorty G saying like, he, you know, bullying is becoming a problem. We need to, you know, bully him back or something. And Cruz just says like, dude, you deal with him how you want to deal with him and I'll deal with it how I want to. And I was like, yeah, you did it last week. When you teamed up two on one against this guy and you still lost. So, you know what? Screw it. Future Endeavor, Apollo Crew, Shorty G. Again, I'm. S- I wonder how long until they actually leave. Shorty G needs to leave and go somewhere better for sure because he's an Olympic wrestler and he's back here talking about how he is being bullied. When he's jumping a guy from behind, I, I, I'm just over it. I hate it. It's so yeah. horrible. So I've only been watching WWE for, I don't know, uh, four or five months again uh, regularly. I've not enjoyed a single time that Shorty G was on my TV. So, And he seems like a very talented wrestler. I just hate his gimmick. Yeah, I mean, when he's in the ring and he's Chad Gable, he's awesome. But everything else that WWE does with him is horrible. Other than American Alpha when he, he was in NXT, which that doesn't even count because Vince didn't have his old paws on this guy. So, uh, yeah, which. He would be a bruiserweight in, uh, in AEW. He should come join. Yeah, he'd be, he'd be pretty awesome in AEW, I think. Then we have, to finish the show, the number one contenders match between Naomi and Carmella. Uh, I, I gave credit to Carmella last week. Because she had a really good match with Bailey, uh, I, I felt like Bailey probably carried her a lot, and she they put on a good match. And uh, yeah, this week was uh, not a good match. Uh, basically, 
Naomi won in the end, so she is going to get the match against Bailey at Super Showdown. But it was just a really sloppy match between these two. Uh, Carl Mella did lock on the code of silence toward the end of the match, and Naomi was able to make it to the ropes. Naomi hit the rear view, got a near fall. Uh, she was able to hit a kick in a blockbuster and followed it up with a split leg moonsaw to pick up the win over Carmella. But man, this had some sloppy points in this match that like, it was really sluggish. There, yeah, there was even, and there was one point where Carmella did like a crossbody on Naomi and she was supposed to kick out, but she didn't really. And the ref slowed up her count and Carmella like luckily sat up and Naomi just kind of laid there. So She's lucky Carmella didn't finish her off here. She'd be, you know, not going to Super Showdown. So, uh, yeah, yeah. As much as we crap on AEW's women division, this was this was like worse than most of their women's division matches. It wasn't a good match, and it's, and it's both very talented. Carmella's never really been the best in the ring. She she does like the Kelly Kelly head scissor thing. She did in this match, and it's it's really just preposterous. Uh, yeah. But Naomi, she's it's. There's times where she looks great. I mean, when she came back in the Rumble, she looked pretty great. Uh, I mean, she's she'll do stuff that where she looks really good, and then she'll have something like this to where she looks not so good. So, just all, she's always just kind of been inconsistent to me. So, I, I don't know. I think her and Bailey will still have a good match. So, uh, it should have been the match to begin with. They obviously put Camarilla clean over her, which kind of ruined the momentum she had coming out of Rumble, but. I don't know. Maybe she could pick up the win against Bailey at Super Showdown and get it back. Who knows? But uh, then we have the main event of the show, uh, main event segment anyway. Goldberg comes out. There's a huge Goldberg chant. Obviously, the crowd loves him. Gets an enormous reaction. Uh, he comes out, says it's been a long time since he's been in the SmackDown ring, uh, so he's going to take his sweet time. Turns his attention to Bray Wyatt, says he's ready for Super Showdown. Then the Firefly, the Firefly Funhouse interrupts. Goldberg says he's not playing Wyatt's stupid games. They're obviously having to go back and forth because this is like a taped Firefly Funhouse, and Goldberg is having to talk along with it. Uh, so they had to time this out like perfectly. So it was a little WWE scripted robotic, but Goldberg's still pretty good at it. So they they made it seem pretty seamless. Um, Basically, Wyatt just introduced a bunch of his friends. Uh, Ramblin' Rabbit said he loves Goldberg, and uh, so Wyatt squashed him with a mallet. Uh, he, but he, then he said there's one more person dying to meet Brock. The lights went out. They came back on. Goldberg wasn't the least bit of concern. even had a smile on his face. Uh, he said he knew the Fiend was behind him. Just calmly turned around, and the Fiend's just standing there. I mean, man... <laughs> I know the fiend hasn't been great. It's not from any fault of his own, but I don't know if this is like them killing him off or what. Because he's standing there, they have like a stare down. Goldberg's looking at him. He doesn't even. He's not concerned the least bit from this guy who's been killing everybody. And the fiend just runs at him. Goldberg kills him with a spear. The fiend retreats into the corner. Goldberg teases a second spear. The lights go back out, and when they come back on, the fiend is gone. So that's what WWE thinks about their stars. Because even though Bray Wyatt hasn't been the best, even though the fiend gimmick hasn't been the best, like I said, no from no fault of his own. He's killed Seth Rollins. He's killed Daniel Bryan. I, I mean, he's he's he also killed the Miz. 
Yeah, he's been very prominent. He's obviously the champion of this company. And he just looks like a geek against Goldberg. I mean, I know it's Goldberg, but, I mean, it's also The Fiend. Yeah, that's what I said whenever they booked this feud or this match. I, there's no way they can book this well. It's going to look no. bad either way. Um, I agree. Yeah, I don't, I don't like it. I wish they wouldn't have done it. They got to get that blood money, though. Yeah, they sure do. So, I'm... No, I mean, I guess we'll we'll have our preview show for the well. We don't have a preview show for that, but uh, I, I'm going to go ahead and predict Goldberg's going to win this. I just don't think. I think the idea of having Goldberg main event WrestleMania is too big for them. You got to think how can how's Goldberg going to work in the ring with Wyatt? He can't jackhammer Wyatt. No way that 54 year old Goldberg can jackhammer Wyatt. Bray Wyatt is huge. He did it to the Big Show. I, I believe Goldberg could do it, but he did it to the Big Show win though. Uh, Ten years ago, it wasn't. I mean, yeah, but still, I mean, look how jacked he is. Yeah, but he's still fifty-four years old. He yeah, might just, do it and tear all of his muscles, just every one of them. Maybe, uh, maybe he can, but like he has two moves. He has the spear and he has the jackhammer. If if he doesn't have the jackhammer, what does he do? He spears him. I guess <laughs> and he just spears yeah. him and spears him. I don't know. Maybe maybe he kills him with a sledgehammer and a toolbox and a ladder or something. I don't know. Yeah, I mean, I, I've heard that it's rumored that the plan for the Fiend and Roman Reigns at WrestleMania is maybe not happening. So I don't know. Like, it's I think they might be too tempted to put the belt on Goldberg here, but I don't know. We'll see. And you would have two part timers being your champions. Yeah. Well, they. <laughs> They sure didn't do the fiend any favors here to put him over. So I, I don't know. We'll see. Maybe they're trying to, you know, put over Goldberg so he can lose, but we'll see. Uh, who knows? It's WWE. Uh, it's, and speaking of WWE, we're just going to move right on to Raw for this week. Uh, Raw is a pretty good show. Um, they, they had it in Winnipeg, Manitoba, Canada, which I, I believe is the home of uh, Mr. Christopher Irving, Chris Jericho. Yeah, didn't get any. Uh, didn't get any Chris Jericho this week on Raw. We we got a Y two J chant, but uh, that's about all we got. Because uh, basically, how the show started, Randy Orton came out, got a chorus of boos, obviously, because uh, he hurt their their Canadian boy Edge. Uh, he he does point out that uh, this is the first time Raw's been in Winnipeg in more than fifteen years. He talked about the last time that he was on Raw, he got punched in the face by a certain guy. That uh, he came to think was his brother, which is obviously Edge. Uh, this is where we got a little bit of a brief Y2J chant. Um, Orton said that Edge couldn't be here tonight. Uh, he said the crowd could never understand why he did what he did. He said he was truly sorry from the bottom of his heart. And Kevin Owens comes out. Obviously, the crowd love Kevin Owens because they're in Canada. He comes out and says, you know, he hears that uh, he hears Orton's apology, but he doesn't believe it for a second. He knows. People who have issues, talking about Seth Rollins. So he just he just knows that Orton isn't serious, and uh, he said he doesn't believe it for a minute. He said he wants to, to drop drop the act and tell us why he actually did it. And I'm sitting here thinking, Owens, why do you even care? Like seriously. But then he actually explains why he cares, which was very welcome because in WWE they usually have no explanation for this, but they actually did here. Owens said he was a lifelong WWE fan. He's been watching Edge. He was watching Edge at home. Saw he retired. He was bummed out. But then the moment he came back from his retirement, where he came back from this devastating injury, he was excited. 
because he was like, man, I get to wrestle this guy now. Like it's a dream come true. He finally gets to see Edge back in the ring. And then the next night, Orton takes him out and just killed that dream. So Kevin Owens now has a vested interest in why Orton did this. So uh, Orton then cleverly responds, you think you know me? And, uh, you know. Yeah. I was expecting the uh, the train steam to come out on the stage with all, all the smoke and everything. Uh, Owens points out that it was pretty clever, though. He says uh, the fans are probably sick of them talking. He said they'd rather fight. The fans cheer. Orton accepts, but he says, but not right now. And he slithers out of the ring. Uh, so, yeah, later on the show, they announced Owens versus Orton. Uh, after this, we had an interview with Selena Vega and Angel Garza. They kind of, I don't know, they kind of act like they might be teasing that they're like a couple or something. Obviously, they're they're calling Garza like a ladies' man, but they had a bunch of compliments for each other. So uh, They were very adamant that they were not a couple. Yeah, they said that, but they were very, <laughs> uh, yeah. Very complimentary yeah, of each other. They so. mentioned it like six times. Uh, they're not a couple. They're just uh, uh, what do they what do they call it? Um, I don't know words. Uh, they're just friends. You know, yeah. they're definitely not Business a couple. Associates, I think. Business, yeah, associates. That's the word they used. Yeah. yeah, they mentioned it like three or four times. She's like, an advocate, maybe. She's supposed to be with Andrade. Is that what she's supposed to be with in kayfabe? She's married Dallas for Black in real life, but I don't think she's. She's just. I, I always thought she was just an associate of uh, Andrade. So I don't know. Maybe there's something for Garza and Andrade when he gets back. He's he's about to come back. So uh, I don't know. We'll see. But they had a match here between Angel Garza and Umberto Carrillo. And uh, they, they're cousins, right? I think they're cousins, I believe. Yeah, they only mentioned it a couple times. Yeah. So Britt <laughs> so, Baker's a dentist. Yes. And uh, Adam Cole's her boyfriend. So. Uh, they had a really awesome match, though. Uh, they went 15 minutes. Uh, and basically, the story of the match was they're, they're cousins. So they know each other really well. So they spent the entire match countering each other. And they had some really cool counters. Like, they just went back and forth the entire match doing roll-ups. Really fast pace. Obviously, Angel Garza took off his pants at one point. Uh, basically, towards the end of the match, Carrillo uh, you know, hit a Spanish fly for a, a near fall. Gar- Garza follows it up with a Spanish fly of his own for a near fall. Uh, Carrillo hit a kick to the face for a two. They traded cradles, just going back and forth, countering roll-ups. And essentially, Garza was able to get a roll-up at the end, grab the tights, and picked up the win over Umberto. I mean, I've been impressed with Garza. I even gave him a brass ring a couple weeks ago. But I kind of wish he wouldn't have won here because uh, Umberto just loses too much. I, I like him. I wish, you know, they would give him more. I think it would be okay for Garza to lose here. Uh, he's the heel. I mean, so I don't know. But still a good match. But, yeah, they, they must be leading towards Garza and um, Andrade because I don't see how Korea is going to play into it if he's just getting rolled up. But it was a good match. So after that, uh, we basically have Ricochet versus Luke Gallows. Obviously, they need Ricochet to pick up a big win. If he's going to be facing Brock Lesnar at Super Showdown, uh, pretty short match, but I mean, essentially, what you would think they they talked about Ricochet and how he'd be going up against Brock Lesnar and if he would even stand a chance. King kept saying like 
Ricochet can't do this, and there's no way he'll pick up Brock Lesnar. So, but basically, what happened was Ricochet, you know, beat Gallows, hit a four or a shooting star press onto him. He was like in the middle of the ring. He picked up the win. Uh, I think it was Todd Phillips after he hit it said, "Eat your heart out, Billy Kidman," and I was like, "Really?" I know, like. He was kind of the first one to make this move famous back in the day, but I mean, what do you think the chances are anybody watching knows who Billy Kidman is? That was my exact thought. <laughs> <It's> like, <laughs> I mean, if you're me, you know who Billy Kidman is, but yeah, so not the greatest shout out, but but uh, after he picks up the win here, we do see Paul Heyman looking in the back of the screen, which I would hope he's watching because he is the uh, creative director of the show. Uh. Then we had Gallows and Anderson arguing in the back after his loss. Siles told them to shut up and reminded them they're the best tag team in the world, annoyed that uh, at the thought of a miracle that Ricochet could even win and become champion, but assures them that if it did happen, he'd be ready to take the title from him after he wins the gauntlet match at Super Showdown. But then they notice Aleister Black just standing there, obviously out of his room now. He's just hanging out in the back, staring at walls, I guess. I don't know. But, uh, so Alistair walks by him. Styles calls him out. He mocks him for thinking he was special just after a few matches. And then they just jump him and beat him up. So Alistair Black just got beat up by the OC. So, and he, and I mean, left for dead. He's not like, it's not like Lacey Evans and Bailey when Bailey would beat her up and walk away. And Lacey was just kind of mad. Like yeah. he was dead looking. And I, I... It's nice. I'm looking forward to an actual feud with Aleister Black. I mean, against somebody, you know, reputable that I think will build him in a feud. So this will be this will be good yeah. to see. And I know um, Matt's really excited for this. He he was very excited when he saw this on the show. But I have my apprehensions. I think they'll have a great match, which is going to be great to watch. But yes, uh, I don't know. AJ Styles mixing it up with like Umberto Carrillo or. You know, Ricochet or Cedric Alexander has not fared well for those guys. So I don't know. It's 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 rumored that WrestleMania is going to be AJ versus Undertaker. Um, and that's another reason why I'm kind of feeling that way. That's the current uh, rumor. So there's a couple ways you could look at it. They could be building uh, AJ by defeating Aleister Black before the match. Right. Or they could be building... Aleister Black and The Undertaker versus AJ and the OC. Potentially even the Brothers of Destruction and Black versus the entire OC. Okay, because okay. you got to think, Undertaker's getting a little old. Maybe he would benefit more from a tag match at WrestleMania than a singles match. Yeah, so, he, him and, and Aleister Black and the mayor of Knox County. Yeah, yeah. Not as go as Glenn Jacobs. Yeah, yeah. It is yeah. Slack's. Corporate Kane makes oh, his turn. Yeah, but now he's uh now he's uh what is it? Political Kane? Would it be his gimmick? Mayor Kane uh, going out kissing babies, handing out stickers. <laughs> That'd be fantastic, actually. And instead of he raises his hands, instead of pyro going off, like it shoots out a bunch of stickers or bumper stickers or buttons for, for Glenn Jacobs for mayor twenty twenty or voter ballots. <laughs> uh, yeah. that would be great yeah I, I guess 
So if they end up building this somehow to take her taking Black's side, I think that would be really beneficial for Aleister Black. I think that would maybe be what he needs to hit the next level. I don't hope. I, I hope they don't bury Aleister Black um, in order to build this feud with AJ and Taker. Yeah, and that's that's really what my fear that's, that's is. WWE's most likely scenario here. Yeah, and it's just another example. I mean, AJ's obviously, you know, newer to WWE, so it's not like he's a part time or anything. But it would definitely be building for Undertaker as well. So it'd just be another example of burying the up and coming talent for the older guys. So that I'm not too excited about. So we'll see how they do it. I, I'm hoping. I'm obviously looking forward to the match, like Matt is, but. I just don't see it being a long feud, but we'll, we'll see. I hope it is. I hope it is. After this, we get Paul Heyman, Brock Lesnar in the ring. Basically, it's just Paul Heyman's normal, normal segment. He did talk about how, uh, you know, Ricochet got the low blow at the Royal Rumble and said that Lesnar owed him one for it. So it's not looking too good for Ricochet's future. Uh, Paul Heyman also notably did call this a spoiler that uh, not only would he beat Ricochet at Super Showdown, but he would go on to beat Drew McIntyre, make mincemeat out of him at WrestleMania. And Brock Lesnar held up his title. Uh, regular Paul Heyman segment. So, uh, And then we had Aleister Black showing limping in the back. So he's selling his injuries. Then, which, Micah, you, this is one of the matches you didn't see on Hulu, the, uh, the entertaining Aleister Black versus Eric Rowan. Uh, Eric Rowan... Obviously wrestled Aleister Black last week and just got beat. Uh, so I don't know why they're wrestling again this week. But the story of the match really is Aleister just got beat up backstage. So now he's got to go out and fight this big, big, big dude. Uh, they wrestled for 10 minutes. It was way too long. Basically, Aleister just sold the whole time. I uh, was able to hit just uh, like basically Rome was getting back in the ring. And uh, threw Alistair in the ring. He stood up and got kicked immediately with a black mass. Made it like, you know, rocked him, made him all loopy. And then Black followed up with another black mass right after and got the win. Uh, it was a 10-minute squash, not squash, and then squash match. Yeah, that's that's all Eric Rowan is in, but it was flopped this time. Yeah. Um, I, I, I was telling Kyle, yeah, I, I watch Raw on Hulu. I don't have... Uh, what what channel which, is, which is arguably the better way to watch it because it's an hour less. So yeah, what 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 do they what do they stream? What is what channel is Raw even on? I don't even know. It's uh, not the Fox, USA not Network. Raw. USA. Okay, I don't have USA, so I watch it on Hulu, and they cut out a lot of stuff. They cut the unimportant stuff. So saying that, I've never seen Eric Rowan wrestle because <laughs> obviously he's not important. He, his matches never get on Hulu. Um, they're always squash matches. People always talk about the cage. I've never seen the cage. I, I know about the cage because I keep up with wrestling, but it, he's nobody to me. I don't know what they're doing with him. I don't really know why they keep putting Aleister Black in all these squash matches. That's why I'm glad he's finally facing a real opponent. So, yeah. Also, I forgot to mention, there was one spot in this match where Rowan charged Black on the outside and uh, Aleister was able to move out of the way and Rowan collided with the steel steps and knocked the cage over. The crowd is entertaining what's in the cage after it got, you know, fell over. But uh, Rowan picked up the cage and apologized to it. And that's actually when he got back in the ring and got black mouse and got knocked out. But um, what are the chances Hornswog was in the cage? <laughs> that would be better than probably what they're planning on doing. 
I don't think they have any plans. They probably don't. It's something to do with blood, and I, I think it's Shayna Baszler, but we'll see. Maybe. <laughs> they still have it. Matt, Matt was thinking they might just kill the cage gimmick, but they still got it. So Maybe it's a vampire bat and it bit Baszler. Yeah, it might be. It might be. So that blood had come from somewhere. It didn't come from Becky Lynch. Or she's got like a big jugular vein. She's, in got, some kind of, she's got some kind of internal bleeding. Yeah, so we'll see. Who knows what's in the cage? Now, basically after this, uh, Alistair Black went, you know, limping at the ramp and Shira Schreiber came out. And I hate when they do this. They feel like it. I, I don't know if they got this from UFC or what, but it just, they just don't know how to do it well in WWE, but they interview people like directly after a match is over and ask them stupid questions. So Sarah came out, asked how, over, how Black was able to overcome the odds after getting beat up. And it's like, did you not just watch the match? That's how he overcame it. Uh, they need a Nick Saban character in there, just yelling at reporters. Well, and then I'm not tell you to quit asking. <laughs> yeah, basically, Alistair Black became uh, uh, oh god, what's his name? The Mrs. Dude. Oh man, I'm blanking. I I had the joke ready, and I can't remember his name. Alex uh, Alex Riley. That's it. Because he had rage. He was like raging Alex Riley in NXT when he was uh he tried to you know go back down to NXT and have like a new gimmick and then he got fired. Uh, so Alistair Black basically stole his gimmick because his answer to Sarah's question was rage. Unbridled rage. That's how he overcame Ruthless it. aggression. Yeah. yeah. Going back to John Cena <laughs> early he, days. He said, next week, my rage will be AJ's burden, which I was like, okay, so they're going to wrestle next week. And then he said, and if you don't know what I'm basically said, I'm paraphrasing. If you don't understand that or, you know, whatever next week, Monday night raw, AJ styles, we fight. And I was like, uh, yeah, dude, I got it the first time. I know that's stupid. I know WWE, they, they think their fans are that stupid, but I'm not that stupid. So some, yes, some of, some of them might be, let's be fair. They, they made it. They can't spell, but they're not stupid. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, so yeah, next week, AJ Styles and Aleister Black. So we will see what happens. Uh, then we did get a, I thought was a pretty good sit down interview with Charlie Caruso and Drew McIntyre. Uh, basically interviewed him. Uh, he talked about, uh, she, well, she started off asking him who he would rather have Ricochet or Brock Lesnar wrestle against. Uh, I'll answer that question for you. Ricochet. Duh. Obviously. I mean, but, <laughs> yeah. But that was actually not uh, not his answer. He said he didn't care, uh, which I think is a lie. But anyway, he said he didn't care because after 19 years, uh, you know, he's he's ready. Uh, he basically said this is 19 years in the making. Uh, he was promised things that never materialized. And Caruso kind of asked him to expand on that. And he just talked about when he debuted at WWE, Vince McMahon was standing in the ring and welcomed him and declared him the chosen one and said he would be a former or not a former, would be a future champion someday. And uh, he said, guess how many titles I've won, Charlie? Zero. And uh, he talked about... Did did you catch that they also used footage of him as NXT champion? So Uh, does that mean it doesn't count? Does it only count when they're comparing to AEW? Of course not. Uh, It's developmental, so... Yeah, but I mean, they have... Top stars on one of their major brands stepping down to NXT to, to I don't know. It's it's 
it's WWE. They make the rules as they go along. Yep. So, yeah, very inconsistent in the ways that they think, which is why I've been complaining about it for the last few months. They can't make up their mind if it's actually another brand or if it's developmental, but that's neither here nor there. Basically, we talked about them showing uh, clips of him as the champion, but they did show him also in clips when he was in 3MB doing the air guitar thing. He said uh, he was fired by WWE and he deserved it. Uh, he was talking about how he wasn't motivated, uh, but he looked pretty motivated playing that air guitar. I don't know what he's talking about. Uh, but they did talk about him returning to NXT instead of Raw SmackDown. He said that he's where he wanted to be. And uh, it was also you know, a blast re-debuting on Raw four years after he was fired. And uh, he said he's living proof that he, you can follow your dreams. And uh, yeah, I mean, he basically just talked about how he is going to fulfill his destiny at WrestleMania, uh, whether it's Lesnar or Ricochet. He doesn't care who the opponent is. He just wants to be there and compete, compete for the title. Uh, I thought this was a really good interview. I thought McIntyre, he's been a little wacky. You know, he's, he's flipped the wacky switch as of late, but here it was very subtle. He was like a normal person in doing it. He wasn't over like overtly wacky or anything. So I enjoyed this. I thought it was really good. But uh, after this, we had our truth was standing in the ring uh, who has a new rap song out. If you didn't know, uh, it randomly popped up on my YouTube the other day on world stars, YouTube channel. Uh, so I don't know how that got on my feed, but sure. I listened to it. It's okay. <laughs> but here he's, you know, he debuted a, a rap song and now he's debuting a new TV show on a Monday Night Raw. Truth TV. He said it's the winter premiere of Truth TV. There's no stage or anything. Uh, he got a little graphic and then he welcomed his guests, Lana and Bobby Lashley. They came out. Uh, we got a Rusev Day chant, but Lana stomped that out pretty quickly. She told our uh, truth that we weren't here for a show. We we're here for the match. Uh, truth basically says Lashley really, really, really big and would rather just ask him questions than have a match. Uh, but they had the match anyway. Essentially, it's a squash match. Truth, they're really the only good thing notable about this was Truth did have a comeback at this two minute match where he used all of John Cena's moves, uh, which is pretty funny. But he went for the AA. Lashley slipped out. Hit him with a spear and won. So Lashley get it, got the squash match win here. Uh, that's when we then we also got the official announcement of Black and Styles for next week, and we also got Rey Mysterio and Carrillo versus Andrade and Garza next week. So that'll be an awesome match. We then had the Women's Elimination Chamber contract signing. Uh, Jerry the King Lawler hosted it. It was fine. They all basically sat around. They signed a contract. Shayna Baszler was not out there. Uh, we did have like a moment where Liv Morgan got up and she slammed the contract down in front of Ruby Riot's face. Uh, so she, you know, went to go sign it or whatever. Uh, it was also notable or not notable that Sarah Logan was out here who did absolutely nothing. Like King literally just handed the book, said, hey, Sarah, sign it. She signed it and passed it to Natalia. Yeah, so so why did Liv Morgan and Ruby Riot hate each other? Did well, they were best friends and they were in this group together, and Liv uh was friends with her, and Ruby Riot came back a couple weeks ago and then killed her for no reason. 
Yeah, that's what I'm getting at. There's like, there's no reason. Like, I don't understand why they hate each other. They haven't developed that well. And so Liv is mad at her now, and Sarah is just nobody. Because she was in the group as well. And, yeah, it's going to get worse. Basically, yeah. <laughs> uh, they all sign it. Asuka, she goes to sign it. Then Baszler comes out of the crowd. Uh, she enters in. She gets. She basically has a face-off um Basically, Oscar signed, then she basically signed the contract. Then she had a face off with Natalia. Uh, Lawler just basically said, Ladies, you're on your own and got out of the ring after they all signed the contract. Uh, Natalia and Shayna had to stare off, but Oscar stood up, shut down Natalia, started speaking in Japanese, and then just said, Bite me, which was awesome. But then Natalia just turned around and attacked Oscar. They all start brawling. Shayna just steps out of the way. Morgan launches herself over at Ruby Riot. Logan. Gets in between them, separates them, and just stands there. So she literally is not on either one of their sides. She's just a warm body in this ring. Like, she couldn't be any more useless. Uh, so basically, Baszler's left in the ring by herself. And then Becky Lynch's music hits. The crowd goes crazy. She comes out with her sunglasses on, her Bruce Lee uh, shirt on. She comes out there. They get in the ring and they start brawling with each other. Baszler picks her up and slams her. They're just going at it. All the refs and goonies run out. The officials come out and separate them. The uh, the crowd, you know, they, they're really in the segment. Channing let them fight. They had like a good pull apart. Uh, Becky Lynch broke away through all the officials, through four men at one point, which I didn't believe for a second, but she did. Uh, and they got separated again. So obviously it's looking like Baszler is going to win this Elimination Chamber match and face Becky at uh, WrestleMania, which. She should have won the Royal Rumble and just made this, you know, made this official, but whatever. Uh, then we got a tease for the Bellas for WWE Backstage tomorrow. Then we had Angelo, Doc, Angelo Dawkins versus Murphy. Uh, basically, they wrestled for a minute, ended in a DQ because Seth Rollins got in and stomped Angelo Dawkins. Uh, it literally took like a couple seconds. Yeah, uh, what was this match even? I don't know. It, it, it's because Angelo and uh, Montez, you know, is now they're in this whole feud with the uh, Monday Night Messiah thing. And so they're just, yeah, I, I don't know. Uh, and then, so after they got disqualified, Rollins and Murphy tucked tail and ran. And then Montez Ford grabbed the mic and made some lame joke that, you know, they beat Murphy so bad last week, they beat his first name out of him. Nobody cheered. Man, they didn't get any reaction the entire time. Like before the match when they were on the mic, they got zero reaction. It's probably still a residual non-reaction from that horrible SNL skit that they tried to do, the weekend update they did oh, a couple so months bad. ago. Like I I it, it's gonna be really hard for me to be fans of these guys after that segment, ever. But I digress. Basically, he, Montez Ford, challenges Seth Rollins for a match, calls him chicken, and so Seth Rollins comes back uh to fight him. They had a pretty good match. Uh, it went 15 minutes. Basically, Ford uh, came back with an enziguri on Seth Rollins. He uh, tried to hit him with a buckle bomb, but Ford used his leg scissors to take him down and send him into the buckle and hit a standing moonsault. Set him up, uh, Rollins set him up for the pedigree, but he got countered into a DDT for near fall. Uh, they battled on the top rope. Ford hit a sunset flip power bomb. He went up to the top for a frog splash. But Seth Rollins moved, hit the curb stomp, it picked up the win. It was okay. 
you know, it's fine. Uh, like you said, didn't really see the point of it. They're just kind of in the feud, so they're going to wrestle, and that was that. Um, they did also announce that Beth Phoenix will appear next week to provide an update on Edge. Uh, they plugged John Cena being on SmackDown this Friday, and then they plugged Charlotte Flair versus Bianca on NXT this week. So they're covering all their bases. Uh, good. They didn't do this in the past very very well, but now they're actually plugging stuff, so that's good. We know it's going to happen on WWE TV this week. And then we have our main events of the evening, Randy Orton versus Kevin Owens. Uh, it was fine. I thought, I mean, obviously it's Kevin Owens, Randy Orton. They are good wrestlers. Uh, but the ending to me was pretty lackluster. Basically what happened, uh, obviously we talked about, you know, what, what happened at the beginning of the show. Owens now has a vendetta against Orton for ruining his dreams of fighting Edge. Uh, they had a pretty good match. But obviously, Seth Rollins, the Monday Night Messiah, and all those goonies come out. Uh, they, they you know, join at ringside to, you know, obviously get involved in this match. Uh, they were sitting out at ringside, but then the Street Profits and Viking Raiders ran down to even the odds. Basically cleared all of them out at ringside and left Owens and Orton by themselves, for a moment at least. Uh, basically, uh, Orton, they were trading strikes on the top rope. Owens got the better of it. He knocked Orton off the top rope, followed up with a senton, but that's when Rollins came back out. Owens knocked him off the apron. Uh, Orton gave Owens a clothesline. Uh, then eventually Owens had to fight him Rollins off again, which allowed Orton to get a draping DDT. He goes to pin him, and the referee just does a fast count. Just counts one, two, three. And nobody in the crowd was expecting it. Like, the fans in the front row like saying they're laughing and like looking around and he got pinned and like none of them knew what happened. They're just looking at it and they're like, Oh, okay. And like, everybody's just confused. Orton even looks confused. They win. Uh, Orton, uh, Rollins throws in chairs for Randy Orton, tells him he knows what he needs to do. And Orton, you know, teases the concerto, uh, on Owens, puts the chair under his head. He, he acts like he's going to do it. But he, uh, you know, kind of hesitates, and Orton's or uh, Owens rises from the dead, grabs the chair, and then has kind of like a stare off of Orton. Orton says, "Screw this!" He drops the chair, leaves, and then the referee reaches in and grabs the chair from Owens. Owens then grabs the referee, tosses him around the ring. Rollins makes a run for it. Owens ripped off the referee's shirt and reveals that he has a Seth Rollins T-shirt on. Now. If it were me, and I knew, hey, I'm going to have a referee in this match to screw this guy over later in the night so he doesn't win his match, he gets humiliated by me on TV, I want to get the last laugh. I'm pretty sure I would tell the referee, do not, by any means, show that like you have any favor towards me, that you know me. Like Just do like pretend you don't know me. You think you know me. But pretend that you <laughs> I was waiting for it. But uh, no, inside, instead he decides to give him a t-shirt and make sure he wears it underneath his referee shirt. Like you couldn't leave it at home this week. So he uh, basically, he rips off, the sh you know, rips the shirt. The crowd starts chanting, yes. Uh, Owens threatens to hit the guy with a chair, but he drops the chair and gives the guy a stunner instead. The crowd chants one more time, but instead Owens grabs a table 
crowd cheers even louder. Rollins is sitting there saying, what's wrong with you? He's a good guy. Owens doesn't care one bit. Picks him up and power bombs the ref through the table to end the show. This this show was okay for the most part. I thought it was a pretty good show. There wasn't anything really bad on it. It had some decent matches. But, God, this was just a lackluster ending for me for this show. Like, it was just like a fast count for this match. There was interference all throughout. And then they just they tried to make you happy with having him power on the guy through the table. But, I mean, it's nothing really like, I don't know. It just didn't do much, didn't do much for me. Yeah, I, that's why I felt. It was kind of meh. I mean, yeah. a lot of people were saying, I think even uh, Dave Meltzer said it's like the best Raw he's seen in a while. Um, I, I it had know. a good flow to it. Like, it wasn't boring at any point in the show, really. Like, uh, I mean, there was stuff that, like, the Aleister Black and uh, it, it had story to it, like the Eric Rowan match that he had. But, like, it was, they already had this match. So, I don't know. Like, uh, there was some stuff on it that I could have done without. But I still thought it was a pretty good show. It wasn't, it wasn't bad at all. Yeah, it was okay. Yeah. So for Raw and SmackDown this week, I thought they were both decent shows. I'd probably give the edge to Raw of being the better show. If I had to give them a grade, I'd probably give SmackDown. I'd give it a C plus because there wasn't a lot that happened. I can't give it a B saying it was good, but it wasn't bad. So I'd give it a C plus. I'd give Raw a solid B. I thought Raw was good. Uh, like I said, there's stuff in here you probably could have done without or at least been shorter. And we had some, you know, the Drew McIntyre segment was good. Uh, I mean, the uh, Umberto Carrillo and Angel Garza match was great. Uh, there was good stuff on the show, just not like blow away. So I give her all the edge this week. I thought, you know, got a B and SmackDown with a C plus. Uh, I don't know, Michael, what do you think of the shows this week? SmackDown, like I was telling Kyle, I watched SmackDown Friday, and by the time we record the show, I didn't remember the half the stuff that happened. It was it was unimportant. Yeah, uh, I feel like SmackDown and Raw have both suffered from the Saudi Arabia show, um, especially the road to WrestleMania and the storylines they're trying to build. I just I think it's kind of I don't know it's 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 impeding progress um, with a lot of the stories, and it's getting in the way of a lot of things they need to be building towards right now. Um, so, cause, cause I think raw had a lot of momentum for there for a while and they were doing really good shows and, uh, it, the last couple of weeks have not been my favorite, uh, this week still, I think this week's probably better than last week and maybe even the week before then, but still not good. I still wouldn't say it's a good show. Right. Um, I would, if I, if I rated raw, I'd probably do maybe a B minus, um, yeah. on, on the, the curve of raw, uh, I think last week in F because it was so bad. I just yeah. didn't enjoy it. Uh, I was being a little facetious, but I, I really just didn't enjoy it. Yeah. Uh, SmackDown, I think I'm with you. I think I give him a C plus with SmackDown. Uh, there's nothing really like terrible about it. It was just kind of boring. Yeah, uh, which has been the story with SmackDown for what six months now. <laughs> so yeah, I mean, really, the only good thing that I've enjoyed on it has been the Otis stuff. I mean, they'll have a decent match on there, like good tag matches every now and then, but. Other than that, it, like they they continue their stories, but it's just not eventful. It's really just been the Otis stuff that's kind of been keeping me watching it, uh, and obviously the show keeps keeps me watching it. But as far as like making me want to go watch it or look forward to it, it's been the Otis stuff. So um, I, I hate the Daniel Bryan stuff with a uh, Gulak. I actually like that. So 
hey, something I can look forward to, you know, this coming week. Obviously, there'll be, be some stuff from uh, Super Showdown that if if everybody can make it back from that show. So it might be a very uneventful SmackDown this week. We'll see. But, uh, yeah, pretty average shows this week. Obviously, AEW is still the best show on TV. So uh, go watch that if you get a chance. Uh, but, yeah, that's this week in uh, wrestling history. <laughs> that's uh, right. So, uh, yeah, some decent shows this week. Nothing really bad, but, uh, yeah, go go check out AEW if you, if you had to go check out any of the three. But that has been this week for uh, Wrestle Life Radio. Uh, Matt should be back with us. Uh, we'll actually have a uh, preview show for Re- uh, Revolution since it's coming up. Uh, we'll be having that pretty soon. And uh, he'll, he should be back next week. Maybe me and Michael will take some time off and let him do a show by himself for once since we've been working so yeah. hard. Take a breather. Yeah, so uh, <laughs> we'll see. But, uh, we, uh, yeah, thanks, guys, for listening again. Uh, make sure you you know check us out on any streaming service that you can find. We're, we're on iTunes, Spotify, uh, Anchor. Like We've got all different kind of things. Basically, any way you can listen to podcasts, check us out. Uh, you can check us out on social media. You can follow Matt on Instagram and Twitter at Russell Life Matt. You can find me on Instagram at Kyle.poly. You can't find Mike anywhere unless you really, really try, but just don't even bother. There's nothing there to find. There's nothing. Yeah. So Russell Life Radio on Facebook. Yeah, Russell Life Radio on Facebook, Instagram, uh, Russell Life Pod on Twitter. Thank you guys so much for checking us out. Uh, if you guys want to com- you know, comment on us, look on our uh, post. Let us know what you thought of the shows this week. If you got any predictions for Revolution, Super Showdown, if you care one bit about that show at all. But thank you guys so much for listening again. Keep listening. We look forward to hearing from you guys, and uh, we'll try to keep things interesting for you coming up. Bye. See you guys.